Welcome to Fit Wealth You. I'm your host, Amanda Hanquist. I've spent years in the trenches of entrepreneurship, learning the ins and outs of financial success. Now I'm here to share with you the financial strategies of building your wealth, but because it's important to retire healthy so you can actually enjoy your wealth. Each episode includes a health segment featuring the industry leaders in health and wellness. So subscribe now and stay tuned. May you build your wealth empire and stay fit too. This is Fit Wealth You. All right, so holiday season is coming very soon. By the time you guys hear this, Black Friday is this week. If you can believe it. Um, you want to hear something interesting? Absolutely. My Christmas shopping's already done. You've been saying this for a long time, so. I'm just really proud of myself. I'm very proud of you too. This is usually a very last minute thing. I remember when do we, there's a couple of years we had get together as a family. Mm-hmm. At, uh, what was the Mexican restaurant? But anyways, there were some times we, it was like maybe Christmas Eve day. Yeah. And I would leave before, after that, like leave after that and go get like your gift. Yeah. So we always have this family Christmas lunch huge family Christmas lunch. Like everybody from all over would come in and we'd go to this lunch and Sean would be like, I got to cut out early. I got to run an errand. <laughs> got to close sometimes. I always came through though. <laughs> you did. Well, I am glad your Zoom is working today. Oh my goodness. Yesterday was a disaster. We literally both spent our day trying to get Sean's Zoom account working and Believe me, all the things were tried, the privacy setting, all of the plugins, all of the connections, anything you could possibly imagine. There's no reason for Zoom to not work. And today, Sean comes into the office and boom, magically working. So I, yesterday, was ready to throw, you know, Zoom and just like completely just- Throw Zoom the middle finger. Yes. Um- because I realized, even though I have a paid plan, it's not a high enough. You have to have like a business Zoom plan to even get customer support. So you can't yeah, call was, anyone. He was told I, that you're not on the good enough plan. To- <laughs> I submitted a uh, support request and it got rejected immediately. Um, you um, don't have, like, you're not very important. No, us, you're so. just a peon. You don't qualify Here, Here's a help. PDF to find your audio issues. <laughs> what the frick are we coming to? But anyways, yeah, uh, Zoom's back up and running, mm-hmm. and like, shame on us, we're still using it. So I know, I know, but it it was only bad for convert- I'm I'm converting to Teams. I, I think I'm gonna do it. Well, and the only reason is that I haven't done a podcast with Teams yet. So maybe we should uh, give that a whirl. And I just hate to you know, have a 45 minute conversation and then, oh, well, can't use that one. (laughs) So let's check that Monday off the list and and move forward now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, today we're taking a look at what the best approach is for your holiday spending. We're not big on the whole like budgeting thing, but if this is an annual occurrence, How will this get in the way of your long-term financial wealth building is why we want to take a look at this. How to, I'm going to say the word, budget for Christmas, but without actually budgeting. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if you want to consider the gifts that keep on giving, 
we're gonna talk about that too um I think you kind of hit touched a point of like it happens every year and maybe we are able to sustain our lifestyle throughout the year but this is a cost that we know is going to happen every year we just don't plan for it and then if you don't have the reserves or you haven't saved for it then what happens it gets put on a credit card and then maybe you're constantly paying catch up mm-hmm. to get back to zero and be ahead of the ball game so i think where you're heading with this of creating some guardrails coming up with some approaches is going to be crucial to long-term financial success and i kind of look at it like let's say if you're diet and exercise routine is magnificent all week long, but if all weekend long, you're completely blowing it, you can't really catch up from that Monday through Friday or Monday through Thursday. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like this is kind of the same thing. We're really good about investing, about saving our 20% all year long, but we completely blow it around the holidays. Sure. So that can, you know, be a detriment. Because- well, that that's a good point. Um, you mentioned that like the 20%. We really love our clients being able to save 20% of their net income. But if you've set, saved that throughout the year, but then you use that 20% or a portion of that 20% for your unexpected cost or Christmas cost, like it's defeating the purpose. You're never getting ahead because you're just using that nest egg that you've built through the year uh, for these, um, what would you call them? Uh, discretionary discretionary spending i would say yeah in a way but but yes we'll we'll call it that but i almost feel like christmas for a lot of people is a non-negotiable my kid wants this they are getting that right and and i and i feel like that's that's not in everybody's best interest all the time so let's start with the foundation which is personal financial health How do we ourselves get into a position financially to where we're financially healthy? Now, obviously, if we're trying to be financially healthy before the holidays this year, it might be a little, you know, late for that. It's never too late to like, let's get a start on it. But let's say today forward, what are some things that we can do to consider ourselves financially healthy? Mm -hmm. I feel like if you're able to save and you have excess cash flow, on a monthly basis, maybe a quarterly basis, because some business owners only pay themselves a quarterly draw above their salaries. So you get large chunks of money. So if you're able to save maybe monthly or quarterly and you're saving a good percentage, we you know, think that a healthy rate is 20% or more of your net income. And if you're hitting that on a monthly and a quarterly basis for your long-term you know, financial goals, I don't think there's really even reason to have any guilt around spending for Christmas, as long as that's not coming out of like your 20% savings for your long-term goals, because some people are just gift givers. They absolutely love to give gifts and that fills their bucket. So I don't think we should say, Hey, you can't be giving gifts because it's a poor financial decision. It's just, as long as you are taking care of business, it doesn't really matter what you're spending your money on. And I think too, having you and I know that when it's just like when we compete for one of like our bodybuilding competitions, if we were just winging it, we probably wouldn't do very well. Right. But we always have a plan when we're going into something like that. Um, If I'm going into like a, a half marathon build or something, I always have a plan. 
And I feel like our financial health is, is no different. Like, are we just going to wing it and hope that we can save this 20%? Because that's probably not going to work out very well, right? So what is our plan for that? Are we like, do I need that car wash subscription? Do I need the tanning salon subscription? Like, are all of these little things something that could help me add up to that 20%? Mm-hmm. And maybe I can't get to it overnight, but maybe in January, I'm going to start with this one thing. And then in February, I'm going to go over to this thing. So then maybe by May, I'm up to 15%. So then maybe by August, I'm hitting that 20% mark consistently, right. right? And so it doesn't have to be like an overnight tomorrow, I have to make this mark or I'm failing, but coming up with some kind of a plan that you can sit down with your partner, your spouse, and put pen to paper and say, I think we could do this next month and work our way up from there. So if you're not hitting your financial goals and considered financial healthy and in a position of financial health, that's where I think you would really need to get the pencil and paper out print out statements, figure out where you can provide the excess cash or you can look at make, making more money, right? That's always yep. an option too. <laughs> that's always an option. <laughs> uh, so that's, that, that's a really good indicator if, if you're in a position to be giving financially, um, even like over a set amount for example, Christmas. Let's say that you are in a position of financial health. How do we budget for Christmas or the holidays without budgeting? What are some ways we can put our guardrails up Mm -hmm. to have a fantastic holiday, but without getting to, you know, early January and saying, oh, fudge, I've really messed up. Yeah. I think creating structure around this could be um, very important to like, just making sure the money's available And we like to use a formula. It's like profit first or pay yourself first. Um, So we like to save for our financial future first. And why can't you do that for other goals like Christmas gifts? I would recommend, or, you know, if this is very important to you and it's something you want to create the excess cash for every year is maybe opening up another savings account and just labeling it Christmas. And what you could do from there is, and to make sure it happens, because if you open up the account and don't fund it, it's not going to do you any good. So I feel like um, a lot of um, success happens by creating automation Mm -hmm. and by automating at like the bank level. So it automatically puts maybe 1% of your deposits or a certain dollar amount every month into this Christmas savings account. You know, so if you earn $250,000 a year, you could just go in there and select 1%, let's say, of the deposits. Um, and over the course of 12 months, you would have $2,500 saved up. And I'm betting you, you probably didn't miss that $100 and $125 every month out of your paycheck anyways. Now you've just created a bucket of money that you can spend guilt-free. Yeah, and if that's going to be over a 1000 bucks, And I'm pretty sure the average... Americans spends right around $1,200 on Christmas or on holidays. And the reason I say holidays is because there are multiple parties, there's food, there's, Mm. there's a lot, right? There's and and another um, study I, I read said that 
a lot of the Black Friday shopping, and in fact, the majority of Black Friday shopping isn't actually gifts for others. Mm. A lot of the Black Friday shopping is actually bought for the consumer themselves for things that they've been wanting throughout the year. Isn't that interesting? That I would have never thought of that. But so tack that on to your holiday budget too. <laughs> well, since I already have your gifts bought, then that means Black Friday's for me, right? So going back to guardrails for our holiday spending, um, I really like what you said about automating it throughout the year. And I even think too, if you're somebody that is good with credit, you don't have a credit card issue. Um, you could even open up a credit card because you can have, you know, some of the cash back rewards on there as well. Um, and you would be able to like, you do a good job of looking at your credit card balance throughout the month yep. and budgeting accordingly to that balance. And then if you only had that one card for that one use, you could easily identify how much you spent on the holidays. Right. Because it's so hard to go into your bank account and look and see, where you're at, because you don't know if, you know, a certain uh, debit's going to be coming through or whatever, but if you have, so I like to use my budget without budgeting method is my credit card. So I know that it processes on say the 21st of every month. Well, I try to keep my balance at a certain level throughout the month because I pay it off every single month without fail, which has dramatically improved my credit score, by the way. That's a whole nother segment. And I think this um, technique can be used no matter what financial level you are. Yeah. Like you're paycheck to paycheck or you're multimillionaire. It's just a good strategy to keep um, checks and balances, um, yep. guardrails up. Yep, absolutely. So, yep, for sure. Was there any additional um, guardrail thoughts that you had? I think you nailed it. I like where um, you went with everything on the, you know, if you're financially health and saving enough money, like you're good to go. No, spend guilt-free. I like making automation. I think that just makes sense, makes life easier because one thing, if it's out of sight, out of mind, and then, oh crap, it's November, it's Christmas, and I don't have any of this saved. And yeah. then your credit card strategy is kind of catching on to me. I like it more and more every time you talk about it. So I yeah. love it. Now, do you think there's like a guideline for how much someone should be spending around the holidays? Like say somebody has, let's say they did the savings account method and they have like just mm. whopped up this huge $5,000 of cash in this account. Mm. Like they probably don't need that much, but like it's yeah. there. Right. And so do you think there's any kind of rule of thumb or percentage mm -hmm. or do you think it's just whatever you're comfortable with i think it's so much related to the person because my mom's budget is probably a lot bigger than my budget <laughs> and it's not it's just like she is a gift giver like through and through she was she last dollar to buy someone a gift and she might not even know them but she would buy someone's kid a gift right like she this is this that fulfills her so I don't think we could probably put a number on it. I just, as long as your financial goals are on target, I don't think you would need to put a number on it. Yeah, I would agree. Like Sean's mom, if she found out there was one child in the world that did not have a gift, mm. she would make certain that child were to get a gift. She is oh, a very, yeah. very giving woman. Um, but yes, I completely agree. Well, let's move into, I was really excited to talk about this topic and I know you are too. 
but a gift that keeps on giving. So if your kids are anything like mine, and we are so blessed to have a huge family on both sides. In fact, we were just talking the other day about how both of us still have a living grandparent. Sean and I are both 40, some of us a little older, and um, (laughs) we both still have living grandparents, meaning our kids, we have an 18 year old still has a great grandparent, great grandparents on both sides, right? That's so amazing. But with that, they get a lot of gifts still. They get a lot of toys. They get a lot of clothes. They got, they just get a lot of stuff. And so speaking of my, you know, our, our oldest being 18, I couldn't tell you what he got when he was seven years old and he probably couldn't either. And I just Mm -hmm. think about how many gifts there are like that, that have been accumulated throughout the years that have either gone to goodwill or in the storage room in the basement or broken and in the trash. And I can't help but think like, what are some other options that we can give our kids that aren't going to fill their tummies with sugar or aren't going to go in their closets with more stuff that we're going to have to find room for. And that's great. Like we have grandparents that give them things. We obviously want to get them something. Um, but if there's more than just that one thing that they've really been wishing for, can we do other things with that money? Right. I think that, there'd be so much more wealth in this world. If people like actually maybe went down this route and explored what was available mm-hmm. and um, actually, you know, maybe the corporate companies and their earnings would be down a lot because not many, <laughs> not as many <laughs> gifts would be bought. That's honestly, like you said, going to be in the trash or thrown away or like my kids Nerf gun wall. That's probably thousands of dollars. Like being sold there were, for there were like on the marketplace for 150 and there's right. like 40 nerf guns <laughs> so like even if it was met in the middle somewhere like half the money you're planning on giving was in a gift so the kids could have something i think that's special that's neat it's needed um but what about investments and long-term wealth that could be um, generated from this and one of our favorite accounts that we talk about all the time is a roth ira for the kids Um, the flexibility of this account and what it can do for you is, is really just unmatched. And it really needs to be a go-to for the kids. Um, it does come with some nuances, right? So you just can't go and open up a Roth for your kid, right? There's going to be a little bit of exploring you're going to need to do and research, but if the kid has earned income, you can put up to the income that they earned into a Roth IRA. Yeah. And we talk with a lot of, you know, we talk a lot about, especially to business owners, like hiring your kids. You know, we, we talk with a lot of other, like say health and fitness professionals, for example, if you have a brick and mortar facility, like, you know, when I had my insurance agency, uh, brick and mortar facility, my kids could clean the office, right. They could help file. Actually, I did have my teenagers file paperwork. You know, the first few times I had to make sure it was done correctly, but you know, those were such helpful things or shred papers or scan papers. You know, um, I'm, I'm just thinking with a health and fitness uh, professional, they could do, you know, hold the camera for you, do grocery hauls. So those are right. just great ways that you as a business owner can hire your own kids right. and give them earned income so that they can then put this, you can then open a custodial, in other words, sometimes called a kid's Roth IRA and put that money in there for them. 
Right. And it wouldn't necessarily have to just come from the kids. It could come from the parents. As long as they have earned income, mm-hmm. you know, we can make contributions to that account. And it is an amazing tax planning tool for business owners. And if you're not exploring this, you're truly missing out. Yep. Um, now, when I say a match of the flexibility, it's like the Roth can be used for so many things that people don't realize. Ultimately, we want to keep the money in the Roth IRA forever and let it grow tax-free because it's amazing once you understand compounding returns. But the beautiful thing of a Roth IRA is after a certain period of time, the Roth IRA can be used, the principal portion that you put into the Roth IRA can be taken out penalty and tax-free. So if you open up the account for the 10 year old and now they're in college and they need money for tuition, books, whatnot, they can take the money out of the Roth IRA, the principal portion of it and not pay any penalties or taxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So then you have flexibility. If they go to college, they don't go to college. At least you're building for their financial future. Right. That's what I was going to say is there's a lot of kids not going to college now. There's a lot of kids going straight into the workforce. Well, maybe they've decided to start that YouTube career that they always wanted to do and they need the camera equipment, right? Yeah. And then that could be an investment into their business to launch their, you know, seed their business startup. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, I mean, it's just, uh, the benefits are amazing. First time home buyers, you could take um, growth out even with a certain, up to a certain amount of growth out without any penalties, fees, then obviously if you would become disabled during life, you could, or 59 and a half, then you can take out hundred percent of the principal and, and growth without any taxes. Um, and, you know, honestly use it for anything you want. You know, and I was just kind of giggling a little bit because a lot of our Sean and I's conversations are literally over these topics. Like, Oh, I didn't know that. And then we're like mm-hmm. literally sitting here having lunch mm-hmm. talking about the nuances right. of, of these Roth IRAs and, and, you know, 529 plans, because that is something I think, Oh, I'm sorry. Were you about to say something? No, I was just going to say that's probably missed the most or the myth of like, Oh, I can't touch my money because it's in a IRA. Well, a Roth IRA has some unique rules um, that I think definitely could be utilized for, kids is um, funding of either college or their financial future. Yep. And I moving into 529 plans, because I would say that's probably one of the most common um, things that when talking about funding for a kid's future, that gets brought up as a 529 type of plan. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so important to, first of all, consider, are you taking care of your retirement first? Sure. Or like, putting on the air mask before you do your child's air mask. Right. Um, you know, and so those are some things that we definitely want to make sure we have taken care of. But if we are talking again around holidays and, you know, a gift that keeps on giving, let's move into some of the 529 plan nuances and and things that they should know. 529 plans, um, awesome accounts as well. They're probably my least utilized, um, because a lot of times, as Amanda mentioned, um, parents are not necessarily, or even grandparents sometimes, not necessarily meeting their financial health requirements. So I kind of look at it this way. You, you can finance college, but you cannot finance retirement. Yeah. Right. So that's where we have to take that's care of ourselves. That's such a powerful thing to say right there. Mm-hmm. So the 529 plan is, is convenient as you don't necessarily have to have earned income like the Roth IRA. So that's where, you know, you have a new 
you know, usually grandparents, like, I got a new grandchild. It's, you know, he's one years old and I want to fund, you know, their college. That's why you're going to hear 529s the most is because there's not the, the earned income nuance with a 529 account. But it does have some caveats to the spending sure. portion. Sure. So the 529 account definitely needs to be utilized for um, higher education, education, would you say? So it can be used for tuition. It can be used for books, fees, computers, et cetera. Well, a lot of utilization have, for the 529. And if you have a student that doesn't want to go to a traditional education path, say they want to be a hairstylist or say they want to go to like a trade school of some kind. Absolutely. Um, it could be used for that as well. Yeah. So that's, that's really cool. And there's no um, limits of putting into a 529 plan. When I say that, I kind of say that loosely because you can put like up to like 500,000 in most states into a 529 plan. Um, now with that, there are some things that I'd like people to understand when you give away a lot more money and put a lot of money into 529 plans, you can only give so much money each year without filing certain tax forms. Um, so with 529 plans, it can be um, a state income tax deduction, right? So it can be beneficial for parents and grandparents that live in certain states that have a, um, you know, pay a lot of taxes. So if you'd use your state specific 529 plan, there's certain state tax deductions. And that's another powerful tool with 529 plans. And you can contribute a lot of money into 529 plans. I mean, I think up to like 500,000. Like wow. it's a lot of money that you can put into a 529 plan. Now you would want to be careful if you're putting a lot of money each year into a 529 plan for a kid yeah. or a grandkid because over certain limits, you have to file tax forms and you only can do so much per year. I think it's like 17,000 this year. Yeah. Um, so, so nuances around that, but we're talking a substantial amount of money. Yeah. yeah. We're not talking about Christmas gift type money. And I don't know about you, but my kids are not getting 17 K. <laughs> but it can be a very cool uh, estate tax planning, but we're talking yeah. about the, the extremely uh, affluent, very wealthy individuals. Right. Right. But yep. for the general purposes, it can be a great tool for saving uh, for college, um, possible tax deduction on the state side. Um, a lot of flexibility. One really cool thing that just actually happened. Oh, was it last year? When does, I can't remember the secure point, um, secure 2.0 act came mm -hmm. out and it actually opened up 529 plans where I like them a little bit more now. Um, okay. now you don't necessarily have to use the full account balance for education mm -hmm. to be able to take the money out penalty free with secure 2.0 act you can actually take out to 35,000 per beneficiary of the plan and roll over into a Roth IRA. Oh, that's cool. That was, um, I guess, really kind of brought 529s back into the mix for me because of the flexibility now. Yeah. Before, if you took the money out and didn't use it for education purposes, you had a 10% penalty on the growth. Right. Right. So now we can roll out certain amount of money up to 35,000 per beneficiary out of the 529 account. Now there are some nuances again with everything. You only can roll over up to the max limits of a Roth contribution every year. 
Yeah. So like this year was 6,500. Last year was 7,000. Or excuse me. This year, 6,500. Next year's like 7,000. And also the, the beneficiary has to have that earned income to match that. Sure. Yeah. Right. And then you actually have to have the account open for more than 15 years. Right. So if kiddo worked, you know, in the summer for a farm and made $1,200, you can't put 7,000 into it. Sure. On the rollover side of the, on the, rollover side, the new right. rules. And then once you utilize that beneficiaries, 35,000 Roth over a lot of years, you could change beneficiaries and use it for another child or a grandchild and get the money out of the 529 account without any penalties. So it, it makes it a lot more user-friendly now. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, what if I want to start saving for my kids, but I don't want to put it in something that has all these rules around it and income limits and, you know, all of that. I would have to say outside of the Roth IRA with some of the nuances, sometimes it's like, okay, let's just look at something that is very flexible. Mm -hmm. That's not tied to any of these rules. And that would be a taxable brokerage account. So when I say taxable, that just means after tax. It's not tied to a retirement account. There's no necessarily tax benefit shelter of that account. And um, there's just so like, there's not many, so many rules and you can easily grow that money and have hundred percent liquidity. You can use the money for whatever you want, whenever you want. Yeah. So post-tax dollars, taxable brokerage account, it's really an amazing way to accumulate assets that mm-hmm. can be used for anything. Right. And it's not like you have, um, you don't have to have like earn income like the Roth. You right. Know? And you could start it with say a hundred bucks, right? Yeah. So yeah. grandma could open up a brokerage account for the grandkid and just start putting money mm-hmm. in after-tax dollars and let that grow. Right. Or if you wanted to put a hundred bucks in and spend 50 bucks on toys or whatever, mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Like that's amazing. And if you did that for every birthday, every holiday and had, you know, grandparents contributing as well, if you did that for graduations, things like that, that'd be, that'd be pretty cool. And then, um, the, the after-tax money. So after the, the, you know, the contributions that's been taxed, right. So like, that's not going to be taxed again, and then it can grow and, and utilize the money for you want. But one thing I would say that doesn't come up very often because the accounts have to be pretty good size is what they call a kitty tax. Mm. So you'll see like, uh, extremely wealthy individuals are going to want to put the like large assets, maybe in the kids name because yeah. they're in extremely low tax brackets. So the IRS come up with what they call a kitty tax. So if you're dealing with smaller accounts, it's no big deal. It's never going to come up. But, you know, the rules, don't quote me on this, but the rules are like the first $1,250 is, you know, tax free. The next $1,250 is subject to the kids tax rates. And then anything over $2,500 would be subject to your um, parents or your particular tax bracket. So then it really wouldn't benefit you at all by transitioning large assets over into the kids' names for the purposes of evading taxes. Sure. (laughs) But you're talking, you're probably talking a six figure plus type of an account before more than likely the kitty tax would probably come into play. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So with that being said, it's still an extremely flexible, good account to use. Yeah. Well, that's a neat little, uh, neat little tidbit there. Well, fantastic. I think that, you know, amazing. It's like set a budget without budgeting for Christmas Start getting your financial health in order if you have not already. 
if you, um, you know, want to give the gift that keeps on giving with some sort of investment for your kids, or even, you know, spouse doesn't necessarily have to be your kid. If you guys want to contribute extra, um, you know, to one another, you know, and, and a lot of people now are doing like memories for mm -hmm. Christmas or for holiday gift giving instead of, um, giving actual physical gifts, like a destination, you know, we've done that. We've gone skiing trips and uh, Disney and, you know, things like that. And, and those are amazing as well, because obviously you have those memories and photos and things like that forever too. So definitely a lot of ways to, um, you know, give gifts for the holiday season, of course, spend responsibly because we always want to make out, be watching out for the, you know, your financial well-being in the future. And, you know, Sean, is there anything you wanted to add? No, no, just uh, take care of your financial health. And then after that, not a whole lot else matters, right? Like you're taking care of business and go out there and keep on crushing it. Yeah, awesome. Thank you for joining me today. And of course, your wealth of knowledge. And now we are going to move into the health segment of our show. We're going to talk today about Thanksgiving health how to stay on track with your fitness goals through the holidays. Hey, hey there, everybody. I am so excited to be recording this today for our health segment. You get me. I'm really excited to put my health hat on and talk to you guys about the Thanksgiving holiday approach. How to keep your Thanksgiving holiday healthy. Now, I think for some of us, we have to really decide what it is that we want. Do we, do we really want to keep a healthy holiday? I don't know. I think that you have to make that decision. I think the biggest thing to ask yourself is what do you want for this? Do you want to just enjoy, not worry about it? Because you know what? All the other times of the year I do pretty darn good. So I'm just not going to worry about it. Or are you somebody that constantly struggles with this time of year? And so it's going to be really vital for you to make a game plan. So first off, decide what you want your holidays to look like. What is your game plan? So let's talk about this. The biggest piece of advice I can lend you, my friends, is to allow yourself to try things. Because when we say no, when we put that stigma on some sort of food, we give that food way too much power. And then we take the power away from us. And that dopamine in our brain, that's all I can think about. And that dopa dopamine in our brain is a very powerful chemical. And so one of the ways that you can soften that is to not give that so much power. Allow yourself to try things. You give yourself the power of your own health and you take it away from the food. Next, let's break down each of these segments of the Thanksgiving meal. I think this can be really beneficial to just kind of break things down into what I like to call bite-sized pieces. Haha, <laughs> pun intended. All right, so let's first talk about the appetizers, right? We first get there and there's already little, little pieces of food that we can start picking at before we've even thought about the main meal that we're gonna have to navigate. My, my takeaway on this is to, first of all, don't hang out around the food. The best thing that you're going to be able to do is to actually take a plate, take a plate, take a few of the items that you want 
And the worst thing that you can do is stand around the charcuterie board and nibbling to the point where you're full and still have your meal and desserts to get to. So take a small plate, take a few items that you've been wanting to try and be done with it. Let's move on to cocktails. This is where calories can really add up. We think about the food, but we often don't think about the cocktails. And this doesn't have to just be the alcoholic ones. This can also be the hot apple cider or the hot cocoa that's loaded. And I mean loaded with sugar. If you've ever looked at the hot apple cider or the apple cider gallon jugs that they sell at the store, I wish I actually had that number written down, but the sugar in those things is outrageous. And also if you're having mocktails because you're, you're not a drinker, that's great. But those have tons of calories in them as well. So make a preliminary plan with yourself. Are you going to have endless drinks or are you gonna stop it too? One of the things that I love to do is to have what's called spacers. Yeah, I made a little fancy name for them. I heard it somewhere, steal it if you want. Basically a spacer is just having a glass of water in between your drink. Whether you're a uh, social drinker or you're not a drinker at all, have a little glass of water in between because that's gonna help you to not only stay hydrated, but to also feel better the next day and keep your digestion moving. So it's gonna help keep your judgment clear too. All right, what is next on this list? So when it comes to the main meal, let's move on to that because this is the big one. I think the best thing to do is to take what you want, but when you fill up on protein first, so clearly there's always like, you know, if you have a traditional family Thanksgiving meal like we do, you usually have a turkey and a ham. Well, take the turkey, take the ham, take the side items that you want, but eat your protein first. When you eat your protein first, you're going to feel so much more satiated and not want as much of the other items that are going to be loaded with all of the creams and the butters and the calories. All right, again, put those things on your plate if you want them, but start with your protein first. Next is gonna to be to eat slow. So it takes our brain on average about 20 minutes to register that our stomachs have actually eaten. So it's gonna take a little bit for us to know that we're actually full. So then when you are full, you're really full and all you wanna do is sleep. So the best thing you can do here when it comes to the main meal is take your plate, take what you want, but eat, eat with your protein, eat with your protein first, and find out something that you didn't know about your family members that you're sitting beside. Make it a point to learn new things. Have conversations, all right? Allow your food to register with your brain that your tummy is getting full. Next, when it comes to the desserts, if your family is anything like mine, you sometimes have more dessert than the actual uh, main course meal itself. So try a little bit of each. I'm a huge fan of getting a plate of dessert, taking a small slice. A lot of times they are cut in huge pieces. It doesn't mean you have to take that huge piece. You can cut it even more if you want to. Take a little bite of each. You can have one or two bites of each item and there is nothing wrong with that. It's when you have the regular big, huge honking slices of everything that you feel bad for wasting it. You end up feeling miserable. So 
let's say you want to do something in advance to prepare for this meal. The biggest thing is going to be to move. One of my favorite things to do before actually eating the Thanksgiving meal. And I know what you're thinking. If you're doing all the cooking, like, oh man, you've already got so much going on. But a lot of times if you're doing the cooking, you're not eating a lot anyways. But if you're not and you're just there to help, it's going to be really important for you to get some kind of a workout in that morning. Now, the best kind of workout, in my opinion, for these holiday meals that are huge, leaving you full, is to get some kind of a HIT workout, high intensity interval training, or some sort of a high rep range. So when I'm talking rep range, you're in the weight room, you're doing you know, 15 to 20, sometimes even 30 rep ranges. This is going to deplete your muscles and allow more room for more energy. It's gonna leave your body fatigued, your muscles tired, and you're gonna want more energy. Your body's gonna do a really good job of using what energy it can instead of storing all that food. It's also gonna get you a good sweat going. It's gonna get you know your digestion moving and it's gonna get your blood moving to allow you to feel a lot better after that meal. But even if you did overdo it, or even if maybe you just ate a little more than you wanted to, move after your big meal. I'm not saying maybe right after because you don't want to get a side ache, but give yourself 15, 20 minutes and then get moving. Go for a nice walk. Bring your walking shoes to the holiday. Know that you're going to do some kind of a movement afterwards. You're not going to feel like it. Just force yourself to get out for 20, 30 minutes. You're going to feel amazing. Your digestion is going to be moving. You won't be near as miserable. There's even some you know, really cool uh, family games on TikTok. I just saw one where it was like a, a human hungry hippo game. It was really, really hilarious. I suggest you look it up. Play some backyard family football, whatever. Get everybody involved. But I, I've been uh, you know, a huge fan of movement after our big meal for so long. Help out with the dishes, help out cleaning up. The biggest thing is to get moving. You're gonna feel a lot better. Well, I hope that you found this segment helpful. Let me know if you guys have questions. Um, be sure to get moving, have your pie, have your cake, have your food, but don't overdo it. Make a plan, stay hydrated, stay moving. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. Thank you for listening to Fit Wealth You. Don't miss out on the opportunity to make your financial dreams a reality. Join us every week for actionable insight that could transform your wealth and your life. May you build your wealth empire and stay fit too. This is Fit Wealth You. This presentation has been provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or investment advice or a recommendation of any particular security or strategy. The investment strategy and themes discussed herein may be unsuitable for investors depending on their specific investment objectives and financial situation. Information obtained from third-party sources is believed to be reliable, though its accuracy is not guaranteed. Opinions expressed in this commentary reflect subjective judgments of the author based on conditions at the time of the publication and are subject to change without notice. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Fit Wealth View is brought to you by Fit Wealth Advisors. Fit Wealth Advisors is an investment advisor registered under the Investment Advisors Act of 1940. 
Registration as an investment advisor does not imply any level of skill or training. The oral and written communications of an advisor provide you with information about which you determine to hire or retain an advisor. For more information, please visit advisorinfo.sec.gov and search for our firm name.